0: Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Norman, Internet Marketing Manager here at Blackbot, and your host for this nonprofit technology podcast. This is episode nine of our panel format. So let's meet today's panelists. I've got Steve McLaughlin here, Director of Internet Solutions. Hey Chad. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> no. Is it my quiet <laughs> storm boy? Yes. Yes. Well, you know. Find Steve at Blackbot.com slash connections. I've also got Melanie Malonis, manager of public relations. Hey there. I've also had. Alison Van East, Product Marketing Manager for Internet Solutions, and Editor of NetWits Newsletter.
1: Ooh, thanks for the plug. Yeah.
0: Yes, hi, Chad. <laughs> BlackBot.com slash NetWits. And our special guest, Skyping in today is Garrett Keating, the Senior Web Developer at the United States Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. Thanks for being here, Garrett. Thanks for having me, Chad. Yep, it's, uh, customized customizedbbnc.blogspot.com, so please go check out Garrett and his amazing BBNC way. Anyway, I wanted to kind of get into um, the discussion today with some big news that happened since our last Mm -hmm. discussion, which is the acquisition of Quintera. Melanie, can you give us an overview of the announcement?
2: Sure, Chad. On May 29th, BlackBot announced it is acquiring Quintera. The transaction is expected to close on or around July 7th, so we'll be able to provide uh, much more details about our plans and uh, partnership with Quintera in the future. Kintera uh, has approximately 4,000 customers, and more than half of those customers are on its Sphere web technology platform. Uh, the platform is used by leading organizations including American Lung Association, Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, and the International Fund for Animal Welfare uh, to manage online fundraising events, communicate with constituents, and more. In 2007, Kintera processed more than $400 million in online gifts. And the company's financial and analytics offerings, Fundware and PIN, comprise the other half of its customers.
0: Wow! So that's pretty big. We're all very excited around here. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the RE when RE7 was coming out. Like it's palpable. <laughs> um, and uh, so, but what do you think the general reaction has been out in the market?
2: From the initial feedback we've received, we believe that Cantera's customers feel that they will be in a much better position than they were in prior to the announcement. That news and our plans for integrating Conterra into the Blackbaud family of companies has been very well received. And that said, along with change, questions arise. I wanted to clarify a few points that came up uh, in buzz around the blogosphere. First, we are committed to making this a positive combination for the nonprofit sector. As evidenced by our previous acquisitions of the target companies and eTapestry we have a track record of driving greater value to the nonprofit sector with new business units. As in these acquisitions, adding Cantera's teams and solutions will be an additive situation, allowing us to bring more value to our customers in the sector. And secondly, Cantera will become an integral part of BlackBot, operating as a separate division, uh, maintaining its existing operations under its current management team.
0: Okay, Steve, so how does the acquisition of Conterra complement what BlackBot is already doing?
3: Great question. I mean, first, I think everyone on the Blackbaud side is really excited about the the news of to, to acquire Quintera, and, and certainly from our perspective, it's a good compliment. You know, they've had a, a pretty leading solution out there um, in the market. We think it plays well with some of the things that we've certainly been developing on the Blackbaud side. But more importantly, uh, from a market perspective, you know, post acquisition, it would make Blackbaud sort of the leading provider of of solutions and services to the nonprofit market. We'd have over 4,500 customers um, serving just the Internet space, um, You know, doing over half a billion dollars a year in online donations. Um, the email count is in the you know, hundreds of millions. And so all that stuff makes it really exciting for those customers uh, and also for, for BlackBot as well. So a lot of excitement around it. Um, it's still early days. Uh, I think the one thing we've been really careful to point out is the deal uh, officially closes sometime hopefully in July um, we won't be announcing any roadmap decisions any any of that kind of stuff um, you know I've, just like everyone else have been reading the blogs and the message boards and everything else it, it's interesting to see what people think we're going to do or not going to do mm-hmm. um, and, and some of it gives me a bit of a chuckle uh, <laughs> but uh, you know it'll it'll certainly be uh, it, uh, once the deal officially closes then we'll be able to make some decisions and, and announce some things, and uh, I think everybody's really excited about it.
0: Yeah, that'll be a def- definitely an interesting version of the podcast Then, when we can also sort of talk about this. Well, staying on the topic of the Internet, I, I wanted to talk to Allison real quickly before she has to, to bail and uh, take off. She has to leave early today. I want to talk about the Internet Symposium that happened in New York City Recently, it was on uh, May twenty-second, and it was a uh, free, one-of-a-kind, all-day event. We've never done this before, right?
1: That is totally true.
0: Um, give us a little just quick overview about what happened, what the deal was, who spoke, and
1: sure, I would love to. It was so exciting. So, the Internet Symposium um, was one of those things that you know it started six months or a year ago. We thought, gee, we would love to have more of a forum to share this type of content you know, in a free and open environment, not necessarily make people pay to come to a conference. And, you know, we dabbled with some of the content in in webinars, but there's really still nothing like a good old-fashioned get-together, you know, looking face-to-face and asking questions and collaborating. So um, we pulled the trigger in May like you said and we um, booked a full day over at the Grand Hyatt which was quite lovely and um, we had more than a 100 nonprofit professionals sign up. I think 80 different organizations were represented. I think one of the most exciting things about the day was it was a rainy day in New York and you know how the cab situation is then and usually a lot of times people won't show up but we had just a couple of no-shows and like 90% of the people that signed up came. So that was great. Uh, We had Andrew Massawi speak on um, Web 2.0, a buzzword demystified. It was a really great presentation. Um, Our own Steve McLaughlin here on the podcast panel did a a well-received presentation on social networking and uh, got lots of great comments, ran right off into lunch. We couldn't get everybody to leave the room and, and let us set up for the next event. I spoke on email marketing and just covered some of the basics, which... Um, one of the neat things about this symposium was the wide range of experience levels. You know, we had people who were just getting started with this sort of thing, all the way up through people who were really, like I said, pinging Steve and picking his brain about what to do with social networks. That's
0: what I was going to ask about. What was the crowd? Was it also some non Blackbot customers? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. It
1: was both. Um, we had a good mix. We opened it up to Blackbot customers and non-alike. Um, we didn't overly market it. We did a lot of sort of social networking type marketing. So I think by that nature alone, we had a lot of blackbot clients find out about it first because they tend to be a little more plugged into RSS fees and looking for us on Google and things like that, I would imagine. But, yeah, I would say about 25% of the folks that came weren't customers, and so that was neat, too, to get their perspectives. So it went so well that we're going to do it again. We haven't picked exactly when or where, but we're thinking about bringing the act to the West Coast, maybe somewhere cool like Portland, get some of our N10 friends involved and, uh, you know, open it up a little bit wider. So uh, very excited about
0: all of that. Cool. How was the um, the customer Session that was presented by Nora Isaac from the ALS Association. Received it was really nice having her there to kind of show what was going on.
1: It absolutely yeah. was. So um, Nora came and talked about how wonderful her life is since she's <laughs> been sharing data all in one one system. And um, I think she was the only one out of the entire group that was. Uh, a couple people thought, is she you know on the corporate dime because right. she was so enthusiastic. I think um, it was really great to see you know her enthusiasm for you know, Blackbub products and services sort of bubble over into the presentation. But um, lots of people were taking notes, and I I think that the general consensus was, wow, my life could actually be easier doing this and not more complicated. So that was great to hear.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Melanie, you were up there, Steve, up there.
2: Well, I thought it was interesting. I met with uh, Physicians for Peace. They're a a nonprofit uh, that recently launched a YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash video. Uh, to raise awareness about their organization. And their communications manager brought up a good point that even if you have the content, you still have the challenge of reaching as many people as possible. And a good way to start is by understanding where your constituents are interacting online. And that was a big theme of the, the conference, um, the symposium.
1: Yeah, definitely. The The other flip side of that, though, and the the largest kind of stress point that came out of the whole day was Um, The sort of relinquishing of control. So understanding where they are, but then, you know, letting crazy things like a podcast happen, and who knows what might be said, or, um, you know, letting people set up their Facebook pages and sort of run wild. Um, There's a lot of nervousness around that. So... um, stay tuned i guess
0: well from one internet event to the other um well maybe not totally focused the uh, clemson user group and that's one of the reasons we had garrett on the phone today i think steve mack you were there as well am i allowed to call you steve mack sure. in public <laughs> <I wasn't sure. laughs> is that uh, your radio <laughs> handle yeah that's right I, I didn't get to go to the event i i heard some cool things i was following the coverage uh via twitter and uh, elsewhere um garrett can you give us a little bit of a rundown of your involvement there and how your session went
4: Absolutely. Um, I was asked uh, by uh, Stacy Bennett to uh, speak um, regarding what we're doing with the net community and uh, map mashups, specifically Google. Um, so it was a brief presentation uh, during lunch, which was uh, which was nice, um, but a uh, lot of attendance. And I basically demoed, um, you know, the how we're geocoding constituents on the fly uh, using uh, Razor's Edge and uh, MapPoint with uh, with uh, the enterprise version of, R- of RE. And uh, then I showed our front-end app, which is a custom part built uh, in that community that actually um, displays uh, the logged-in constituents' uh, classmates on a map, and it's the map centers on uh, that particular individual's uh, location. Um, so it's a great tool. Um, it uh, really sort of adds community, a community-level aspect to, uh, to um, sort of our alumni and what they can do inside our online community. Um, it was, uh, a lot of questions afterwards. Um, it was, uh, all, all productive, but, um, we, uh, I don't know, we really enjoyed it. It was, uh, I got to hear Steve Mack speak, um, about, which is, uh, always entertaining. Um, Jim Bush also did a, a great, great presentation. <laughs> What's that? The check- the checks in the mail. <laughs> uh, Jim Bush also did a really good presentation, um, about, uh, stewardship, which, um, you know, from a technical standpoint, being a developer, I don't uh, have a direct hand in that on a daily basis. Um, But ultimately, our goal is to support the Naval Academy. So it's good to have, even from a developer standpoint, a clear understanding of uh, what that all entails. So that was uh, really beneficial. I also saw a good presentation um, that Alan Eager put on about performance management and scorecards, and uh, brought that back to some of our database guys. So it was... uh, it was a lot of fun. really enjoyed it. Um, back to the geocoding,
0: like, uh, how was the audience where they I mean, you said they were receptive to it, but did, did you feel that like they were getting it or were like, oh, I want that, I need to use that, or, or was it sort of like an introduction to them?
4: Um, A lot of, well, pe- people see mashups everywhere, right. um, and so it was a, uh, uh, I wouldn't necessarily, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you really use mashups every day in some form or another. I mean, something as simple as going to Um, your bank's website and just looking for ATM locations, uh, you know, that's, that's a mashup. So it's something that people are beginning to um, adopt and expect in a lot of ways um, more and more frequently. So it was a, I think they were um, very receptive to it. Um, There was some, you know, I try to be as non-technical as possible, but I am still a technical individual. So there was, you know, I had to sort of bring them up to speed and try to um, make them fully understand exactly what all, what, the process of geocoding entailed and we yeah they I think that they got up to speed pretty quickly on it and uh like I said lots of questions um once they got it lots of questions afterwards and it was something that I know um a few people from Clemson were highly interested in doing so we should see more of that stuff down the road right well, it let's like...
1: start a rivalry I hope Florida State was oh, there because no. uh, I'm an alum <laughs> and uh, I would love to see the <laughs> website which is net community or seem to be
0: Garrett, do you have any data yet on, like, how your uh, your base is sort of using it? I mean, have people adopted it
4: um, from the site? Oh, absolutely. Um, in a month, uh, we've had it up for probably about two months. But on an average 30-day period, we see um, around probably 1,200 um, visitors, and about 25% of those um, are returning. Okay. So we're seeing a, that's a pretty high, um, you know, Comeback rate, I guess you'd call it, returning visitor rate, and it's it's been, like I said, well received. A lot of people, you know, spend an excessive amount of time on those pages. I think we're up to probably close to four minutes um, of people just sitting there, sort of just scrolling around, right. panning and zooming. <laughs> uh, and when you, it has the physical location of the individual, um, but then it also has a. Uh, you click on the, the the marker, and then you see their profile picture, and you can actually click on view profile and it loads up the net community profile for them to view so it's very active we're expanding also we're beginning to develop um, a, what we call an alumni lookup um, which is currently just a directory part inside net community um, but we're modifying uh, that functionality and it's actually going to be sort of a tabbed approach where you can see um, the list view like you would do in a traditional directory part but you're also able to view uh, a map view which shows you the same results that you're, the same search results, but in a map format. Nice.
0: Very cool. All right. Um, moving on quickly before we get to some other just uh, wider stories. Melanie, is there any other news blackbaud related news that we'd like to throw out here in the podcast?
2: Yeah, there's been a lot of news on the community foundation front. Uh, we recently announced a new component to Blackbaud solution for community foundations that incorporates online donor and grants portals, and uh, it was built using the Net Community API. And the portals will enable foundations to provide donors, fund advisors, staff uh, with the ability to monitor financial information online, recommend grants to nonprofit organizations, and allow grant seekers to actually apply online. So it will eliminate, eliminate a lot of the inefficient paper trail associated with traditional grant application processes. Uh, we were also pleased to recently announce that the nation's largest community foundation is partnering with Blackbaud, the Tulsa Community Foundation has selected the Razor's Edge Enterprise and the Financial Edge with a longer-term vision of incorporating net community. And this foundation will use Blackbot solutions to manage 650 funds and more than $3 billion in assets.
3: The community foundation market has been a particular vertical that Blackbot has been working with for quite a while. And certainly on the Internet side, we've got quite a number of community foundation customers. That's in part how the whole notion of building... Um, a specific set of functionality, specifically for the um, community foundation market, took shape. Is this is this is a, a part of the nonprofit space where they're dealing with um, high net worth um, individuals who are participating with these community foundations, but these are also the same individuals who are very busy people, um, and they rely on using the internet for a lot of their daily activities. These aren't the kind of folks who are you know going to spend time on the phone or chasing through paper. Um, and especially as these individuals may also have people who are making investments on their behalf or trying to make philanthropic decisions on their behalf, the ability to get access to this information online, look at a donor-advised fund, see the status of information, um, these community foundations are are really in a situation where they need to have more self-service tools available online, almost like a bank yeah. or like a, a, a brokerage would because that's the level of, of expectation that's been set by their donors. and so the ability to provide those solutions online um, in an integrated fashion so that I can get financial information in real time, so that I can get grant-related information in real time, and I can get biographical constituent donor information in real time. That's really that's powerful stuff. I mean, everyone keeps, uh, well, not everyone, some people keep wondering, hey, what's the value of this integration thing? Um, if I'm a community foundation, it's invaluable. In right. fact, in a few years, not having this stuff isn't an option. It'll be the way in which many foundations do business, and and certainly we see this spreading to, to other parts of the nonprofit space as well.
2: And something that I I spoke to uh, the Tulsa Community Foundation about was how their their donors are really more entrepreneurs, so they're getting more engaged in the process. So these tools will enable them to be a little more nimble about their allocating their funds, and you know to become more engaged in the process, which is what um, the whole philosophy of, you know, the web presence is all about. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, you look at these organizations, they are huge and they're they're deep and, and very, very big. And you really do need this kind of, like, structure behind it to really, you know, not only manage it internally but externally as well, pushing out. One of the stories I picked up that I wanted to bring up today because it was very interesting was about the uh, the causes reports on its first year, um, which is hard to believe. That's only been uh, a year uh, out on Facebook. That seems like it's been two or three. So they've got uh, they released their their statistics. So we have twelve million users that are now supporting more than eighty thousand nonprofit causes. Two point five million have been raised. Facebook has you know they say sixty thousand daily users. MySpace twenty five thousand. Steve, you blogged about
3: this this week. You look at the numbers and on the surface, the the easy thing is to say, well, wow, twelve million users, only two and a half million dollars raised. That's not very good. I think I think the problem is first there's some statistics missing in there. You know, Do we know of those 12 million users, was that 12 million donors or was that 1 million donors, right? You'd want to know that. I think there's some data that's missing that the causes uh, folks haven't put out yet. But still, I think it goes back to a discussion we've had a bunch of times, which is um, the, the social networking really, from our perspective, is uh, an engagement vehicle and a relationship-building vehicle. It is not overtly a fundraising vehicle. Yes, that does happen and yes will happen, but the nature of it is not first and foremost, I guess, a fundraising vehicle. And I think people are still looking for this shortcut, this silver bullet that if I if I build a Facebook page and I get a thousand friends, the money will start rolling in the door. That that really doesn't happen. And in fact what we found with, with customers that we work with is the key is to engage them online in those social networks and drive them to some other kind of engagement, register for an event, take a survey, reg, you know, sign up to get an e-newsletter, do something beyond just the simple act of um, join this group, leave this group, that kind of thing.
0: Right. That's funny. You know, I personally have not donated through Facebook, but yet I have gotten to a couple nonprofits from Facebook by messing around with causes and actually donated outside of Facebook. So has anybody here on the call? I've crickets, donated through crickets? causes because I
3: wanted to see how all the, right. the plumbing works. Right. But um, and the organization I donated to will remain anonymous for a reason. <laughs> become quite clear. I've never gotten any big follow up from that org since then. So I think oh, yeah. there's still an integration issue of okay. So what did what did you do with those donors? Right. Because I think a donor that is acquired through a social media source would be stewarded differently than a donor that comes from direct mail or email or sure. event or something else, and I, I think, or I sort of fear where maybe all that, that stuff is going today.
0: Right. So today is June 10th. Yesterday was June 9th, WWDC. iPhone announcement. Who's, who's getting one? Me, me. Me, me? Garrett?
3: I want one. <laughs>
0: yeah, I want one too. I don't know that I'm getting one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this made me think of what you were talking about earlier, Garrett, with uh you know geocoding. That's one of the big uh, feature ads, I think, to the iPhone here, the second time around. Um, this sort of like piquing your interest as far as like development and furthering that sort of platform.
4: Um, absolutely. I mean, we're always uh, you know, considering new and emerging technologies, and I think fairly soon, especially just having a GPS on the iPhone is probably going to expedite it significantly. But if um, history repeats itself. Whatever Apple tends to do, all the other vendors and such will quickly follow suit. And uh, I really believe that you're going to start seeing far more devices, iPhone or not, with GPS capability natively built in. And um, then, of course, then you start needing to develop the mobile apps that facilitate uh, and allow you to make use of that. Um, So, sure, geocoding uh, raises edge. I mean, I'm envisioning mobile apps that that allow you to, you know, pinpoint uh, other alumni potentially on the fly in real time. Right. So it's definitely coming down the road.
0: It's funny. One of the things I was thinking about was um, kind of how sort of GPS advertising and then sort of GPS based, you know, giving opportunities. And you know, we haven't seen a lot of GPS advertising yet. Is there are there sort of privacy concerns? Is this opening up some privacy concerns both in the you know, for profit and nonprofit space?
4: I would imagine that it probably is. Um, I'm not too keen on anybody being able to know my exact location at any given time. Right. Exactly. Uh, but so, yeah, I would imagine that uh, there there would be privacy concerns, but the industry will, you know, vet that. And I'm sure devices and procedures and tools will uh, emerge to um, make people, people feel a little bit more comfortable about, uh, about those concerns and being able to control them. And those mechanisms exist in social networks. You can, make things private. You can only have your friends see your profile or your picture or, you know, your status or various different. So it's, it's it's definitely customizable. I, I don't think uh, this is going to be any different from that. Right. cassia yeah, is it as being a sort of an opt-in sort of thing.
2: One of those exactly. apps that they demoed yesterday, the Looped app, is going to be free at okay. launch. And uh, that is similar to what you're talking about with uh, the pinpointing of uh, friends but could easily be trans. Slated into constituents. So it'll be interesting to see um, what the participation is in that.
0: What about sort of mobile, all this stuff sort of happening with mobile giving? Is it spawning any sort of development upstairs with BB&C?
3: Yeah, well, sort of the mobile stuff has been interesting for us to look at for a while. Um, in the uh, in the UK and in Europe, BlackBot has some SMS capabilities with the Razor's Edge. Um, but what we found is there's not a lot of fundraising being done through SMS because of the charges and Sort of lose a lot of dollars to the carriers, and to use morally as sort of more as a, to engage constituents and get them to, to take some action. What I'm curious about is with app, you know, devices like the iPhone and, and whatever everyone copies, because you know, we see all the clones of the iPhone come out. Do you see a whole um, technology leapfrog where in North America? SMS for giving and communication gets leapfrogged because devices now suddenly are more web-enabled, more right. browser-enabled, and so you forget the notion of send, having to send that text message because that's not people, how, how they're going to want to consume it. They're, they're going to have more sort of in their hand, if you will, um, to play around with. I mean, that was sort of the thinking. We would released um, some free um, functionality for Net community where you could tell net community how to recognize a smartphone and redirect someone to a differently for- formatted web page. So if I see from the incoming sources a smartphone, I may take you to a simplified version of my home page or a simplified version of a giving page or an event registration page because, you know, interacting with a phone is a lot easier. And it's a m- more direct call to action as opposed to, you know, you've got you've to accept the SMS, then you've got to do something with it, and... And there's there's a lot of feedback feedback loops involved there.
0: So. Yeah, that's a great point. So switching gears here really quickly, um, Garrett. I know you got turned on to uh, social thing this week, and uh, I've been playing around with it for a while. Um, so what's your first impression of the service?
4: I absolutely love it. I, I think that um, one thing that social networking in general has been lacking is the ability to easily manage and post um, to multiple. Um, different social networks and that's what social thing accomplishes um and people who have grown up and are continuing to grow up relying and using social networks are going to inevitably run into the problem of having more than one which is where i am and it's nice to be able to um to simply see and, and post to you know five six seven different social networks wherever you know your different friends uh have, cho- have chosen to uh sort of take up their home in the social networking world and um Invariably, you don't have the luxury of having everybody in one place. So
0: and that was one of the cool things too. I like about it is that um, you can follow people that haven't even looked at Social Thing or joined. Unlike Friends mm-hmm. Feed, where you have to, you know, people have to actually join before you can follow them and you know get involved there. They do need to add more services. I mean, there's that huge uh, you saw it too that huge group of you the, know, was it YouTube, MySpace, uh, a couple of the big ones that they haven't done yet. Yeah,
4: it's the the vote section, which is actually a pretty neat approach where their users can choose um, which. Uh, social network to add next. Right. And um, they just basically have an ongoing list of the number of votes and I assume whichever one have the highest votes, they just choose to do that. And I know I've made my share of votes also. Yeah, here. me as well.
0: And I do, I do know that, that that list has not changed since they launched it. So that voting list and the ones that they're working on, that group of six or seven, nothing's moved. Yep. So hopefully soon. So also I wanted to point out, uh, we've uh, been sort of following the intent office hours. Um, I'm participating in it Basically, they've just uh, petitioned their group of members for um, experts to participate in a weekly, you know, chat. There's five tracks, like IT, fundraising, communications. I signed up for the communications track, so every Wednesday at four, they're using Mebo as the chat tool, and sort of uh, any other members. Or actually, I think anybody in the web, I don't think you have to be a member, can sort of go to this page and just chat with an expert and ask questions. And it's just kind of a cool idea, just to get people and use sort of the wisdom of the crowd. You know, get your membership more involved with what you're doing, and. Uh, definitely something to check out. I'll send a tweet out tomorrow. All right, Steve, what do you have? Anything coming up?
3: There is a E-Philanthropy Foundation uh, event this Saturday at Columbia University in New York City. They've got a a day-long internet symposium that they're doing. um, Two tracks of speakers. Um, I'll be there. uh, A bunch of other people uh, from around the nonprofit uh, world speaking about Web 2.0 and other people fundraising. It should be a really uh, really cool event. Uh, Other thing I caught... uh, for those folks that get the uh, Chronicle on Philanthropy, either online or through the, the, the printed version, they've got a great set of uh, articles out this week about online giving uh, from their annual survey. So they're looking at 07 trends and who's raising what and from where. Um, some really good research, interesting stuff. I'm sure uh, great blog material. Um, but definitely uh, encourage people to probably read that article. Um, there's actually a set of articles. Um, and uh, get some ideas from
0: them. Allison did leave about 15 minutes ago. That's why she's been uh, remarkably quiet. <laughs> so uh, so she does have no uh,
4: final statements. Uh,
0: Garrett, how about you? Uh, anything you'd like to plug or anything that's going on at uh, USNA.org?
4: There's plenty going on at USNA.org. We're currently working on a uh, membership custom part to bring uh, our uh, – currently we have an outside vendor that handles membership, so we're working on a membership custom part to bring the national and chapter membership under Net Community, and then obviously we'll have the benefit of the API integration back into and out of the Razor's Edge. So that's been a, a project that I've been working on personally along with the platform developer. Um, it's really top of the list. The other stuff I don't really want on the podcast. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'll be back, so uh, you can talk about it then. Yep, definitely. Okay, Melanie, how about you? Any last-minute uh, words of... Wisdom to our listeners.
2: We are planning on speaking with Jay Love, eTapestry CEO, and Chuck Longfield, BlackBot's chief scientist and founder of the Target Companies later this week for a BlackBod Interviews podcast. If You have any questions that you would like them to address, please post them at the BlackBod news blog at blackbaud.com slash blackbod news.
0: That's it? That's all you have? That's it. Wow, that's impressive. I don't really have anything either. I'm Hopefully later this week I'm going to get a screencast up of Wupro, which I've got plugged into BlackBot.com, which actually is kind of uh, just eye candy, but it is very cool stuff going on there. There's some forward-looking uh, web analytics. Um, you can check that out at BlackBot.com slash Norman, And that's really all we have this week. Um, you know, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Garrett Keating, Melanie Malonis, Steve McLaughlin, and the extremely quiet Alison Van Deese. If any of you listeners have feedback, please send us an email at thevodcast at blackbot.com. We'll be back in two weeks, I promise, with another episode. So until then, I'm Chad Rumble. Thanks for listening to the podcast.